Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Fate's Wide Wheel, and happy 2018. Um, spoiler alert, we're actually recording this in December of 2017. Hopefully we made it to 2018. Oh boy. We what a world, what a world. What a world we will we will see. Anyway, yeah. welcome to 2018 for all intents and purposes. Absolutely. And uh, we are just we're very excited to be back. I, you know, I think that taking a couple of weeks off um, is, was going to be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, just... Uh, Celebrate the holidays. Oh, well, they you know, Yeah, exactly. Be do you family. have family coming in for? Um, I do not. Well, yes, actually, that's not true. Uh, Jess's youngest sister will be here. Uh, so shout out to Haley because she'll probably be listening. Um, and she's going to stay with us for a few days before going down to Indianapolis. And then we're all going to travel down there because that's where Jess's family lives. Awesome. Her parents live anyway. Awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm busy right now, but you know, with. With with work, I get it doesn't matter. I could say where I work. I don't think my bosses would care or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I, um, in addition to uh, you know the the acting stuff, I also work at the uh, Joffrey Ballet, and uh, it's Nutcracker season, which is a crazy time of year for us. Uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of, a lot of late nights and, and, and working over at the ballet company. But it's been mm-hmm. fun. It's been good, and uh, it'll be nice to take take that break and you know enjoy the holidays and, and that sort of thing. What about you? Uh, wife's family, mom, sister are coming into town for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Nice. That's about it. Nice. Otherwise, this is our first year with our newborn son. We are staying in the city. Yeah. Uh, anybody else who wants to come see us, you are, you are welcome to come visit. I love it. You were welcome to come visit because, again, we're in 2018. Yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly. And this uh, week <laughs> we are covering Good Morning Peoria. We didn't rehearse yeah. that. We didn't rehearse that at all. Just, yeah, it just happened. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, let's get into the TV well, guy description. Before mm-hmm. that, if before you don't that, mind. Yeah. Directed by Michael Zinberg, written mm-hmm. by Chris Rupenthal, aired November the 8th, 1989. Our leap date is September 9th, 1959. And Sam has leapt into Chick Howell. Howling Chick Radio Howell. DJ. Yeah. Tell us what TV Guide says. TV Guide, Sam Scott Bakula twists and shouts into 1959 as a howling Peoria disc jockey, helping his feisty boss, Patricia Richardson, combat a civic leader who says her station's rock and roll has got to go. It's got to go! Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I I just want to kick this off by saying uh, that this is... Probably one of my favorite episodes that doesn't have to do with Sam's backstory or family or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just like one standalone episode. Yeah. Yes. It's the same. Yeah, for me, this is an episode that broke my heart mm. on the DVD release mm-hmm. because of all of the music replacements. Yes. I think this may have been the one where I, I ended up buying all of the seasons just for because I, you know, because I thought this is it. This is the only release that it's ever going to get. Right. I might as well have them, and fifty years from now, maybe I won't be as bitter about the music. But like watching this episode was like when I was like, ah, I just yeah can't. Uh, and when I bought the Blu-rays back at the start of twenty seventeen, 
I do think this was the first episode that I popped in and watched knowing that the music was yeah. was back. And you are not alone. Uh, Blu-ray.com, which is a wonderful website, I, I visit quite a bit, and uh, uh, first off, they have this wonderful deal page where they list like all the deals uh, for like a price tracker, basically, on, on DVDs and Blu-rays, and they do it by uh, lowest price, best deal, newest deal sort of thing, and you can actually see like if, if a movie is at the lowest price it's ever been, there'll be like a little red bar that says lowest price. It's great, great useful tool. Anyway, um, their message boards uh, will spotlight you know each release order that's coming out, and they obviously did one for the Quantum Leap Blu-rays. And I can remember, I you know I pre-ordered it, uh, um, so I wasn't really concerned. But some people got them a little early, and so they started posting immediately. And I would say almost every single person that was checking the music use this as, like, the first episode they <laughs> so, so there are a lot of yeah. people out there that watched this episode first when they got the, the yeah. Blu-rays, I think and then followed it up with, with M.I.A., of yeah. course. Uh, and I think you tipped me off to, to it being yeah. on Blu-ray. As big of a Quantum Leap fan as I am, I, I had literally, I had given up so hard yeah. on there ever being another release of anything. Like, I didn't, like, I didn't have, I didn't even bother looking. And then you tipped me off. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, it's on Blu-ray? All right. Well, that's funny because I remember your out. Facebook post. Like, you even posted something on Facebook and, and like, gave me a shout-out for... Yeah. Know, for, but, well, it's interesting, too, because before the Blu-rays came out, uh, before they'd been announced, I had been toying with buying the British versions. I had to, yeah. Because I've got a region-free DVD player mm, because okay. I have uh, a huge collection of Doctor Who DVDs because... Here's another tip for any Doctor Who fans that are out there. Don't buy, well, do buy the U.S. releases. But if you want to save some money, don't. Just buy the original U.K. releases. Because even with the exchange rate and even with the shipping, they are often 50% cheaper by buying them from Amazon.com U.K. than they are from buying them here in the States. That's a shame. Yeah. Because you can get you can get most of the, the releases for like 6 to 7 pounds, which is like 10, 12 bucks. Yeah. Anyway, do that. Uh, so I have a region-free DVD player, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? I should just go ahead and buy these, have the music, be able to listen to episodes like Good Morning Peoria mm-hmm. and, and all their glory. Um, which, speaking of, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out here now because why not? You get such hits as Tutti Fruity as performed by Little Richard, April Love by Pat Boone, All Shook Up by Elvis Presley, Maybe Baby by Buddy Holly and the Crickets, Sleepwalk by Santo and Johnny, Great Balls of Fire by Jerry Lee Lewis, Yakety Yak by The Coasters, The Twist by Chubby Checker, Jailhouse Rock by Elvis Presley, Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and his Comets, Sea Cruise by Frankie Ford, The Glory of Love by The Five Keys, and Shout as performed by the Isley Brothers, and they are there in their glory... Not taken out for rights reasons, and it's it's quite nice. It is, and it, it and and it reinforces the fact that you know this episode relies on that so much for giving us our, our time and our place. Mm-hmm. Um, because one thing that's interesting about this episode is it pretty much takes place in one setting. You know, we don't get a lot, I and mean, we get little cuts here and there, but mm-hmm. as far as, like, where Sam is, he's pretty, we only see him in, like, one place pretty much for the whole episode. Pretty much, yeah, I mean, we get, a little, like, a little, like, shots on the street. Yeah, but. yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I will go on, again, just to reinforce this, it was probably one of my favorite episodes, like, non-arc episodes, if you will, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and I have probably seen this one more times than a lot of other episodes. Um, there's there's mm-hmm. a couple that I know for a fact I've seen a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there there are there are a couple of episodes like the season three premiere in particular. I've probably mm-hmm. seen 
well into the double digits. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I, I am a fan of this episode and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. More. Fantastic. Well, let's dive in. Let's do it. Leap in. Yes. Yes. Let's leap uh, in. So Sam let's is in the DJ. Coming. Yeah. Sam is in a DJ booth mm-hmm. uh, and, and Tutti Frutti has just ended and he's kind yeah. of at a loss of what to do and 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 one thing uh, I mentioned this on our last episode the voiceover intro into this episode with the clips from Blind Faith mm-hmm. I literally you could almost hear Scott Bakula wincing at how bad the yep. narration is mm-hmm. um, but it gets us in there one thing that happens that uh, it does happen on occasion but didn't actually happen in Blind Faith uh, is that we get a much longer leap in than we do in the leap out from the previous episode. So there's more stuff that happens leading up to what we saw last from Sam. We do. Um, where he's fumbling around with the records and dropping things and, mm-hmm. you know, and so on and so forth. Um, and just like this drawn out exchange, yeah. uh, which I feel like for reruns, they cut it down. It was one of those things that, uh, it's honestly, I feel like the first scene is made stronger in the rerun because they cut a little unnecessary stuff yeah. out of yep. out of there. Uh, but just kind of like this drawn out thing of like he's just like total at a loss, and uh, Patricia Richardson's character, which her name Rachel, yeah. has like basically like proverbially like handhold him like read yeah. the paper that is in your hand. Right, go to the ad. <laughs> he looks down. We get a mirror shot of the his his little stand. His clipboard has a mirror. Yeah. Uh, and other than other than Jesse Tyler, m- might be the oldest person we've seen Sam leap into I, I, so far. <laughs> I I do believe so. Yeah, and I think this is a case. This is the only mirror shot that we get in the entire episode. I think you're right. Um, which is oh, I think we're about to say the exact <laughs> yeah. same thing. You got to go for it. You, you you do see, unfortunately, Scott Bakula's yeah. reflection a lot. But, you know, it's a TV show. What? Right, right. right. What are you going to do? I certainly don't care. Yeah. You get you get a lot of Scott Bakula's reflection in the glass. There's glass. Yeah, there's glass. What are you going to do about glass? Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, yeah. So we, we get this uh, uh, moment immediately after because he's frozen. And he, he reads the ad, but it's not a very good read. No, no, no. And I think uh, this is one of the, We don't get a no boy. Uh, at least we don't get it at the mm-hmm. beginning. He says, oh my God, mm-hmm. I'm a DJ. Yeah. And I'm not sure if we get a no boy I don't think, Yeah, episode. I don't think we do. I don't think we do, actually. We we, we get a variation on the leap out, which is mm-hmm. a very funny moment. But uh, yeah, no, I don't think there's a no boy in this. And um, uh, uh, it, it's interesting how Sam, it, it, you know, it's the, the fish out of water sense is something that they always play with in the leap in. But there's also an element where you kind of want to say, at this point, wouldn't Sam maybe be a little bit more gung-ho? Like, wouldn't Sam maybe just kind of be like, okay, this is what I am, this is where I'm going, I'll do it. I mean, I don't mind that he's not, that's not a criticism. I'm just sort of like, it's interesting to think. But also to justify it, uh, having a microphone right in front of your face is a very, is a very powerful thing too, realizing that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. But but it's a, yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny little moment, and um, then he goes into the control booth, mm-hmm. and uh, Rachel promptly is you know all over his case for his terrible delivery and the dead air and absolutely. From this, we we get the idea that that Chuck is a relatively recent hire. Yes, him and Rachel are already kind of off 
on the wrong foot. Yep. They already kind of have this antagonist relationship. Yeah. Well, oh, and, and let's go back real quick because it is very funny here. I mentioned all the songs, you know, just a moment ago, but he does put on April Love by Pat Boone mm-hmm. and the looks on the faces of both his fellow DJ Leland and, and Patricia Richardson and Rachel, mm-hmm. it's just like, what are you playing? Mm-hmm. Like, Chick Howell would never play Pat Boone. Yes. <laughs> so it just, so it kind of adds to the whole Whole, you know, tension between them when he walks into the Absolutely, uh, yeah. uh, control booth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's one thing that is kind of cool, and it almost follows up what I was saying about how Sam just sort of diving in, is that in the voiceover, Sam's voiceover, we get this a bit where he's just like, some people just rub you the wrong way right off the bat. And Sam immediately launches into like giving her hell back. And it's mm. really cool, and it's really nice, and it's very much kind of like an old. Um, I mean, I hate to use the rom-com, but it, but it feels kind of, you know, like screwball comedy sort of uh, back and it, forth. Even more way. so, like, uh, and this is a, a theme, and, and this happens throughout throughout dialogue and obviously like the, like the plot of the episode itself, kind of plays on that rom-com trope like of... Moonlighting? Of, uh, yeah, yeah, but it, it's just like of having the, anti- the antagonistic relationship yeah. of, the, of the person that you really... If you're not in love with, like, you have the hots for, like, like that there's, you, yeah. yeah, you're interested in. And so we immediately, yeah. Yeah. But it, but it, it, it's great. And I love that Sam just goes for it and starts kind of giving it to her. And then at one point, you know, he's kind of clearly afraid that he's about to get fired. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls back a little on it. Um, but then, but then she, you know, she does say to him, if you come in late tomorrow, you're going to be fired. You're going to be fired, yeah. Uh, uh, it, it is interesting to note, uh, Patricia Richardson, who yes. is probably best known for Home Improvement, which is started a couple years later. Four-time Emmy nominee. Four-time Emmy nominee, Patricia Richardson, Dang. for Home Improvement. <laughs> uh, the year, well, two years before this episode, but a year before Quantum Leap debuted, Scott Bakula and Richardson were in a short-lived 13-episode TV series called Eisenhower, Eisenhower and Lutz, uh, which was a sitcom where... Uh, Sam was, or, or Scott Bakula, I should say, was like this ne'er-do-well um, womanizing attorney, and uh, Richardson was one of the uh, one of the other actors on that show. Yeah. So this was, I don't know how intentional this was in the casting, but this was kind of like a, a little mini reunion from them having worked together a couple of years before. And their their chemistry, I mean, right off the bat, I think is is evident, um, and and. Uh, goes a long way to making this a great episode, uh, I think. Um, they have excellent chemistry. Patricia Richardson is is extremely watchable, and, um, you know, just... There's there's something about her you know, that, that makes me not only want to watch her, but makes me care about Rachel. Mm-hmm. And it goes, it goes beyond writing and acting. It's just that sort of innate thing that some people kind of have that make you just kind of want to watch them and see what they're going to mm-hmm. do. Um, which even later in the episode, like some of her facial expressions, uh, in the control booth, mm-hmm. uh, it's just her reactions to Sam are, are so wonderful, you know, and mm-hmm. because they're not over the top. They're not, they're just very genuine, honest reactions, but she has a very expressive face and it feels very real. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just kind of like, man, like I, I, I well, want to watch do, you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do, they do have more of a chance in this episode as opposed to other episodes. Like it is kind of a bottle episode, and like I'm just get ready to like, say that. Yeah, yep. like they're, like like they're sitting in the same room and they get to have like these couple scenes where they just have like like these longer, like more settled in, yeah, 
conversational scenes that that you don't get a whole lot of, and just like the the, the chemistry that that they do bounce off other, it makes it a very easy episode, right? To watch, and the two of them are really you know the ones that kind of carry the episode. I mean, they've got the bulk of the the dialogue, and you know, I mean, even even Al feels sort of secondary to a lot of the stuff going on in this episode. Uh, Not secondary. He, he so, does, I, I mean, he he's around a lot, right? But, but he doesn't necessarily. He doesn't have as much dialogue. I feel like as he does. For sure. Like he, he like he he's setting the things up for right for them to for them to spike. Yes, proverbially. And I will say this, and this is a weird thing that I've noticed watching, like any TV show that that you watch when you're a kid, and then you come back and you revisit the show, like later in life, like watching the show as a kid. Um, and, and even like, you know, a couple years later, like Patricia Richardson is going to end up like being like the mom on home improvement. Like yeah. watching the show as a kid, like I saw Patricia Richardson as a mom figure and I didn't really like think of her as, you know, like an, uh, an attractive human being, mm. an attractive woman. And like watching the episode this time for the first time, I was like, Hmm. Oh yeah. And like looking at, <laughs> and like, I mean, like looking at her age, like she in this episode, she is the age that I am. Yeah. Now. Right. And so, like, watching, I was like, you know, like, I never thought of, but, but she's, she's a very attractive woman. Yeah. Yeah. And, and would, whereas, would like, watching been, this episode, like, as a little kid. And she yeah. would have been, like, 38, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in the episode. Not to give away your age. Um, but, but I, she definitely, I, yeah, I, she, 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 she is. She's attractive. She's without a doubt. She's attractive in this episode, and mm. and, and and I think that again the chemistry and the play between the two, um, you know, is it, you, you buy it, and uh, and and I would agree with what you're saying that maybe when I watched it as a kid, I did see her as somewhat older, but now watching it now, I definitely don't see and, her. And, as that. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird thing. Like when I was a kid, like watching Starcrossed. Yeah, I thought Cherry Hatcher was you know right. Sure, sure, I mean, sure. It, it's a weird like. And we go down a huge rabbit hole with this, like of course, traditionally attractive versus uh, however else you want to call it, like uh, attractiveness. But yeah, yeah, no, that is interesting. I don't know. I don't want to sit here and sound like we're too salivating teenagers. Or I, I know, but you know. yes, but yeah. yeah, that's the thing. I don't, yeah, I don't want to come across like like sounding that way. But right. it, it's interesting, like what your ideas of attractive are as you grow yeah. up from being a, from being a, a, a kid. Up into adulthood, right. and I don't think we may not be articulating it very well, but that, that, well, that's all we're trying to say. There, I mean, there, there, without a doubt, there are some moments in this episode where she's like downright sultry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like without a doubt, and it's mm-hmm. and it's and it is very. She comes across as as as, as being very sexy, you know, and you can tell mm-hmm. that Sam feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but obviously, there's a lot more to her than that, mm-hmm. uh, as we have already discussed, and segues nicely into what I'm about to say because in the very next scene that we get. Um, after Sam does like his sign off, bumbles his sign off and everything, mm-hmm. uh, he goes into the hallway and sees her arguing with our primary antagonist, mm-hmm. Fred Beeman. Fred Beeman! Uh, one of the advertisers uh, for her radio station. Mm-hmm. And uh, first of all, she's, she's like a woman in power. Like, it's her radio station. Mm-hmm. It, in 1959, Peoria, Illinois, and, this, and a woman is running the radio station. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. Um, and, and, you know, she's going back and forth with him over playing rock and roll. He doesn't want her to play it. He thinks it's, you know, a bad influence on the kids. Um, she thinks that's ridiculous. She's going to play what she wants to play. It's her radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and yeah, you know, I, I mean, 
she's just she's a very three dimensional character, which I really really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the writing slips in one moment in that regard later in the episode, and oh, I look forward to we'll, you we'll get that to that. Out. Yeah, yeah, where I feel like they they had built her up as a very strong character, and like in this one weird like two minute segment, all of a sudden she becomes something different. Okay, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. No, I look forward to that. Uh, and Sam jumps in to try to help, and it's fascinating because all of a sudden she's like she's still sticking to her guns with Fred, but at the same time, there's this element of, like, she doesn't really want Sam's help at all. And it's and, 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 and it, there's this weird moment where it's just sort of like, okay, you're helping me, but I don't like you, and I don't want your help, mm-hmm. but okay, you're helping me, so I'll let you help me. For guess, we, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was uh, watching... Uh, watching this scene, this is another scene that if you watch it in reruns, it gets cut down extensively. Mm. And I do think... This is another case where this this scene is actually made stronger by editing it down. Oh, really? Okay. It's more in the reruns, but it is interesting. Like one scene that uh, that is in the longer version that's not the rerun. I can't remember what exactly the line was, but there's this one thing that Sam says, and it's not articulated well at all. And he kind of fumbles through it. And like as soon as he gets it out, like Scott Bakula does this thing, like what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck did you say? And it's a nice moment of like. He realizes, like, he is not, like, he's trying to help, but he's not helping the situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to speak to what you're saying, like, yeah, it's nice that you're helping, but stop, mansplainer. I got it. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and one thing that I, you know, I never would have even thought of this, and I think that we probably have plenty of listeners that are fully aware of what I'm about to say, but there's a chance that maybe we have some, you know, listeners that, that aren't as in tune, but this is absolutely true. I mean, this happened in the 50s and and even into the 60s where you had organizations or or people, you know, of of, of some power or stature in communities that were indeed going for an all-out ban on rock and roll music, um, that it, it promoted some sort of juvenile delinquency. You had you had people on air breaking records. Um, because they, they, you know, swear, I'm not going to play this devil's music. And I mean, that was a Mm -hmm. real thing. Like this actually happened and it wasn't just in the Bible belt or whatever. It was like all over the country, there were stations that would refuse to play some of this music, whether it was because some people thought that it was, you know, black music, or some people thought that it was too racy, or some people thought that it would, you know, that it promoted some sort of violence or, or, or sex or, or drug use or, or whatever the case may have been. And so, there were people that were actually working towards some sort of ban of this music. Um, And you even had record companies that would try to pay radio stations not to play certain songs. On the flip side, you had, no pun intended, you had uh, uh, music companies paying people to play certain music as well. Um, So it's fascinating to to think about that uh, being the the case because uh, this episode, you know, it's not just... It's not just pure fantasy. I mean, this this is a real. Mm-hmm. Th- these were really things that were happening. When was the last time we've had music like that? Like where people like actively trying to put a ban on? Because like the last time I remember, I mean, in, in recent history of, uh, of adults like really flipping out over music and what effect it has on kids is Marilyn Manson back in the late nineties. Yeah, I, that would probably be. It. I know that. I know that Eminem faced some of that. I mean, uh, he might really be one of the last ones to do that. I. It was actually a fascinating article about Eminem comparing him to Elvis Presley in a lot of ways and how, you know, by, by, by taking, 
Yeah, whatever. I don't want to get into all that. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but Marilyn Manson, um, Nirvana certainly faced some of that. NWA faced a lot of that. I mean, there was a lot of uh, uh, Ice T, and you know, you know, there's a lot of rap artists that certainly, you know, um, struggled. I, I, I think with with people trying to get them thrown off uh, off the air mm-hmm. uh, or, or get companies to not sell their music. Um, but I would say that it was more an uh, that was more a case of an artist being singled out because mm-hmm. of something that they did. Whereas in the fifties, we're talking about the entire genre. Absolutely, yeah. it was a, if you played music that sounded like this at all, mm-hmm. you you're promoting something that we don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, let's face it, you know, there's an entire generation uh, of, of kids that that was all they wanted. That's what they grew up on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really didn't stop, you know, I mean, it, it, in my estimation, it probably didn't stop based on what I know until shortly after the Beatles stopped touring, because there were, you know, when, when Lennon made the comment about them being, you know, uh, um, in some people's minds or whatever, that they were bigger than Jesus, and, and you know, there was all the people breaking their records and burning their records. There were like, there were literally meetings where mm. it was like bring your Beatles records in we're going to burn all your records and and you know there's there's film footage of like kids like throwing their Beatles records onto the you know the bonfire and, mm. and all this sort of stuff but I think that that was that was sort of the you know the death rattle of that in a lot of ways because shortly after it was just sort of like well they're still around and they're still making music and you know you're not going to stop them and mm. you know people didn't care quite as much and there was always something you know I mean before you knew it you had Alice Cooper and you had you know it's like there's always something new that was kind of pushing the envelope but I think in a lot of ways there'd never been anything quite like that mid to late 50s sort of era where they're trying to take like one genre of music yeah. and not this is leading you to the path of damnation <sighs> anyway parents uh, so Fred Beeman is mm-hmm. the face of all of that in mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. And, uh... And Rachel won't back down. No. No. And we, we get the idea, uh, or we get established that, that Fred is an established member of the community. He owns the newspaper. He owns a hardware store. And as we're about to find out, he clearly has some influence over the city council and... And he's proposed a new and bill. the mayor. And, and we go for... Yeah, we go from zero to to like you know I'm going from just please stop playing the music. All right, I'm proposing a, a whatever a bill or whatever you want to call it. Well, she's I think because of the way she stands up to him and the mm-hmm. way she's just like I am not backing down from you at all. I'm going to play my music, and he's like, fine. I'm pulling my advertising. I'm proposing a bill to do this. I'm you know, and both Sam and Rachel are like You're crazy. Like mm-hmm. no way, this will never happen. And anyway, yeah. So, and this is where we get, like, afterwards, uh, we, we get the short moment. Al shows up during all of this. Like, right. he, he, I mean, he's just, like, kind of in the background, and he's kind of, like, contributing to the conversation a little bit. And Sam asks him, like, could they actually pass something? And, and Al's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, and, well, and then there's, like, graffiti on Chick's well, that, well, that Yeah, that's when we get out. We get out. This is when Rachel says, if you're late again tomorrow, you're fired. Right, and she right. storms off, and so now... They're walking out, and this is when Al drops it. That yeah, the original history. The station uh, is stopped from playing rock and roll. The station tanks, and uh, in a weird thing, like Sam is just not there to save the station, but he has to make sure that the station is number one. Yeah, it, yeah. It's interesting too because you think in the scheme of things, with the stakes of other episodes that we've had, this doesn't quite seem as high, and yet. 
the I don't know it, 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 it it's just it's just very well done so even mm-hmm. though even though it's not about somebody dying you know mm-hmm. or getting married or yeah you know all the things that we the, the three main things that we said earlier. for sure I mean like <laughs> without beating your overhead it, it, it's established like if not only if the station doesn't survive and thrive but if the station is not number one Rachel is not going to have a fulfilling life right and that's part of the thing. Yeah. So he gets to his car, like this like sweet ride, like this Corvette, and someone has in very neat handwriting, uh, with soap like Chuck Chick, no more Go home. Uh, yeah. go uh no more rock and roll. Something like yeah. that. Uh no, go home. You're thinking of Americanization a much ago. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, try not to. No, yeah. Uh, uh, Chuck Chick, yeah, no more rock and roll. And it yeah. is interesting, like, we established, like, Fred Beeman is, is, the, is the face, like, he's the bad guy in this episode. He obviously has goons doing the dirty work for him. You never see him. No. In this episode. No. It's kind of crazy, too, because the, there's a huge cast of extras in this episode. There is. Like, as far as speaking roles go, not a ton of them. Mm -hmm. And most of the lines, like I said, are Sam and Rachel's. But there's this gigantic cast of extras Mm -hmm. for, you know, for these, like, scenes at the malt shop and scenes outside the gas station. Oh, yeah, yeah, the the huge thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, Sam does arrive early the next day, so Mm -hmm. he keeps Chick's job, which is Mm -hmm. important. Um, 246 to spare, I think he says. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Al, um, he starts going through the records with Al to try and figure out what he should play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, of course, Rachel sees this from the control booth. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. There's this line about, what are you going to play first? What, what's your first album? Something by the Beatles. Who are the Beatles? Yeah, you mean the Crickets? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Beatles, Crickets. They're, they're all related. Yeah. Because yeah. um, um, he's a little early on that. Uh, and uh, yeah, apparently he's, yeah, he doesn't remember much music or what to talk about. Um, but then Al starts giving him suggestions, helping him out. And then all of a sudden says the words, didn't you see the movie? Mm -hmm. And the next thing we get is sure enough is Sam and Robin Williams mode. We are aping. I'm, I'm going to make a confession. Yeah. I've never seen good morning Vietnam. Oh, never seen it. I thought I th- oh. I thought I thought maybe I should watch it in, in preparation for this one, but I just did a quick synopsis on on Wikipedia. I was like, all right, I get the so I get the connection. I saw the film probably pretty close to when I saw this episode, um, and I watched it by myself in the den at our house in Independence, Missouri, where I watched a lot of Quantum Leap episodes as well, and it was. I don't know that I had ever had as strong of an emotional reaction to something as I had to that film. And there's a scene towards the end of the movie where um, Wonderful World is playing and Louis Armstrong singing the song and Robin Williams' character is walking through the streets and, you know, all hell is breaking loose. And it just slayed me. I mean, I was like eight, nine years old and I just remember bawling and, and, and it had such a profound effect on me. It's, it's, it really is. It's a wonderful film. And, uh, I mean, Robin Williams is incredible in it. Um, it's one of those films that does such a, such an incredible job of striking the balance between 
the comedy and then the more serious elements that, that I, I mean, it would be a struggle to think of uh, as many other movies that do the same thing. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic and he's incredible in it. And, uh, and Scott Bakula does a wonderful job of going full of, blast of, with of aping. Yeah, like I, even like even never having seen the movie, I've seen enough clips. Like even like watching this episode for the first time as a kid, like I got the yeah yeah, and it works. It works, and it's funny, and he does a wonderful job with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a point even in the episode where he talks about like how exhausted he is from doing all this sort of stuff, and you could just tell it's like yeah, that's probably exhausting, you know. And if mm-hmm. he had to do multiple takes of some of these things, like. It's like that's that's work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's also important to note, like this was just like two years after. Yeah, this was yeah, just two years like after that. Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're aping a pretty recent. recent yeah, 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 uh, and doing it and doing it well, you mm-hmm. know. And and I think because, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it just works, and I've always liked it. And mm-hmm. and, and 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 again, you know, even watching it earlier today I never I never like sat there and sometimes you see things like that and you get that sort of like cringe like where you're embarrassed for the person that had to do it mm-hmm. you know it's just sort of like oh you had to do that mm-hmm. but that's not that's not the case with this at all no yeah no. yeah it works and it what's in like watching uh, like watching this episode this time like I don't know why but I always assumed that this is what Chick Hal would do like that was his thing, but then like watching everybody's reaction yeah. in the car room, like no, like that's that's not his style and at all. And, and, and now when he leaps back, that has to be his style, right? <laughs> well, and getting those facial expressions, like I was talking about earlier, from like Patricia Richardson and, mm-hmm. and the guy that plays Leland, like it's just sort of there. There is this look of just sort of like, what the, who the, yeah. Okay. But hey, like, yeah. Hey, this is awesome. This is good stuff. Like, yeah. wow, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I mean he's he's talking about the Russians in space and Khrushchev being on the end of the next missile mm-hmm. and uh, just all sorts of stuff you know that would have been uh, very very period appropriate for 1959. Yeah, um, great bits, and then intercut with this, they have a lot of dance scenes about on yeah. the street of, of everybody. And this is where we're getting yeah, I mean we're getting uh, mm-hmm. the a lot of the good. Really good music. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it pains me. I don't know if I want to go back and re- what see what this looks like on DVD Oof. with all these. I, yeah, all, I all the dance of it. Yeah, but yeah, we get we we get the scenes of the teenagers dancing and Beeman and his entourage being right. uh, being annoyed mortified. by being mortified by all of this. Um, and yeah, there there are just some great bits that that Sam and Al do uh and then i i, I do believe it, uh yeah this is the scene where yeah it gets ruined by the brick coming through the uh, window. before that happens uh we get the uh the chubby checker moment i'm pretty sure yeah, it is. We get the chubby checker moment before that happens. Okay. And Al sees chubby checker and he goes and he freaks That's right, out. that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah. How and can we forget the chubby checker moment? A 47-year-old chubby checker plays a 17-year-old version of himself. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, watching this episode as a kid, it didn't, but no. I'm going to allow it. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, this is just good, kitschy, nostalgic right. fun. I mean, I would say between... 
I mean, for the for the short cameo that it is. Yes. If you have to choose between what they did and getting some look-alike younger person to play him and having to take the extra time and exposition to make sure that the audience knows that it's right. Chubby Checker, I will take what they did. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is It is a cool moment. It fits in perfectly well with the episode, what the episode's going for. And, you know, you get the kiss with history where Sam basically teaches him the twist, which he's already got a song called The Twist, so why wouldn't he have a dance move but I for digress. that? Yes. <laughs> but it's funny. It's mm-hmm. a cute moment. It's great. Sam and Al are going, you know, are going Everybody's dancing. He's like, the dancing. receptionist is dancing. Yeah. Everybody's getting Rachel's into dancing it. and she's going down, you know, the hallway with the record because Sam's like, if you play this record, we will be a number one, one. radio station. You yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so it's it's a good scene with a lot of energy, and it's just it's fun. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I agree. But it is it, it it is just funny to note that he's here. He is playing himself thirty years younger mm-hmm. uh, in the scene. But to jump back, isn't uh, I just watched this episode this morning? I should remember because I, I, I thought it was like the brick came through the window. They got the console repaired, and then it was after they got the music turned back on. That's when that's when they looked over and saw that. Uh, um, not, I mean, not, not, not according to my. To your notes, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take. Or your the quantum leap wikia, from what I'm reading. Okay, yeah. all right. Because actually, oddly enough, it seems as though they don't get the. Uh, the brick thrown through until after they go to, um, the council meeting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, which does actually seem out of order. I don't know. I I do. Yeah, because because I feel like they get the console repaired, then they see Chubby Checker, and then somewhere in here there's a line where where Al where Sam says no one is going to ban rock and roll. Get the hard cut to them coming out of the council council meeting saying I can't believe yeah that they that they banned rock and roll, and where this is where Rachel starts having the doom and gloom of you know. That's it. I might as well close the station down. Might as well, uh, you know, get ready for the Dark Ages, you know, bring up the drawbridges. And that's what gives Sam the idea of barricading themselves in the door. Right. Uh, barricading themselves in the station. And this in the scene where, where Al basically, like, he lays out, like, here's what's going to happen if they don't, if they stop playing rock and roll. Like, yeah. The, like, the station is going to be closed within a year. Which is weird now that I think about it. Like, Al doesn't give. Like what happens in the original history, like he gives a projection. Oh, like, like he doesn't say, "Yeah, they 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 banned rock and roll in the original history." This happened. Like, Al is giving uh, a projection that Ziggy's given. Like, yeah, well, yeah, she can like last for about a year if she stops paying salaries. But right, yeah, yeah, but it's pretty, it's, yeah. yeah, pretty ominous. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's. Uh, Regardless of what the proper order is, I'm pretty sure the twist thing happens before, actually. Sure. Well, yeah. Um, but regardless, yeah, the law gets passed. Timing off in a time travel. There is. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Uh, there's going to be a ban on rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't believe it. And uh, Rachel ends up having that line that you mentioned about raising the drawbridge and preparing for the Dark Ages, which gives Sam the idea to barricade themselves in. Um, you know, they get in, they get on the air, they're going to make a. A, a protest uh, against the new law. Sam reads the letter from Fred's uh, um, 
you know, talking about how half, half articulate speech of long haired radicals is mm-hmm. all that rock and roll music is, and then follows it up by reading what he prefaces by saying a, another document by a bunch of long haired radicals, mm-hmm. which is the First Amendment mm-hmm. of the Constitution, and says that they're going to stay on the station and that they're going to, you know, play their rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious because he does this impassioned thing, they play the music, he sits back, the phone rings, and Sam is just sort of like, for you, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, is like my hero. <laughs> yeah. Well, before this, we 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 get a scene of, of Fred and his entourage, like in the local diner. Which to me, I mean, I know it's not the same thing. It just immediately put me in mind of the cafe in Back to the Future. Yeah, that sure, we see. Sure. Yeah, uh, but like them gloating, like uh, that that yeah, that that rock and roll is is no more in Peoria, and they're all very happy and celebrating, except for Fred's wife. It was just very happy and just like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just music. It's just, What's yeah. going on? And then we get the scene that you just described of them saying they're not going to do it anymore. And then they cut back to Fred. And clearly unhappy that. And so he calls Rachel mm-hmm. and Rachel. And again, it's just that it's just Patricia Richardson being awesome. She mm-hmm. has this such a sweet delivery of just like, well, this is exactly what we're going to do. And that's all there is to it. And, you know, as opposed to just being like, no, I am standing up to you. It's just this really like, this is a really great moment. She she has is very simple, and there are a couple of other times she'll talk on the phone with him, and mm-hmm. you know, and kind of raise the stakes each time. But she's very she's just like I'm going to stand my ground, and that's all there is to it. And mm-hmm. and so now uh, they're you know they're serious. This yeah. is this is happening. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I find yeah. noteworthy here, this where you see it like particularly in this scene is that this is. Uh, you know, even though we had like the day before where we had a this period of time where like Sam went home for the night and he came in for work the next morning, so we didn't see all that. But for the rest of the episode, it plays out in real time as as close as you ish, get. Yeah. In real time ish. Like it takes place overnight. Uh and it's interesting where it's like if you're watching it on TV interrupted by a commercial break, yeah, 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 whatever. But like watching it on DVD or Blu-ray where you have no commercial break. Sure. It's, it's interesting because they start playing Bill Haley in the Comets, and uh, it ends with all three of them in the control room. Yeah. Sam, Rachel, and Al. I think the last line going into the commercial break, Al, who, by the way, thinks this is a horrible idea, which I have a hard time believing. Right. I would think Al would think this is a great idea. Oh, yeah. Especially because Sam's alone with a woman in yeah. a, yeah. Yeah, in yeah, a yeah. space. Like, yeah. Al would be all for this. Yeah. But, yeah, but his last line right before the commercial break is, well, if we're going to go down in flames, I'll help you pick out the records. Yeah. And so they're all three in the control room. We go to commercial break. When we come back, the song is almost in the exact same spot. Mm. From when they went to the commercial break, but Rachel is coming back in from the other room, having retrieved the editorial that you just mentioned. Yeah. Okay. So to me, like it, it kind of uh, establishes this uh, this idea that we're kind of seeing time accelerated, like sure. throughout throughout the night. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, just the convention of you know of television. Convention. There we go. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, well, and then, of course, we start getting, you know, all these obstacles thrown at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's the vandal throws the brick, it 
destroys the control panel. Sam has to fix it. Mm-hmm. There's a really nice moment where like Rachel's talking about how her dad built the control panel. And this is yeah, one of those conversational scenes that we talked about. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's just a really nice moment. And Sam's you know Sam gets it fixed and. She's you know surprised that he could do it, and he makes a comment at one point about Apple, about how like when they were repairing the console, yeah, yeah, and and because she's like my dad, you know, worked at night in his garage and blah blah. blah. And she's like, oh, just like the guys at Apple, and she's like, what? And he's like, uh, Wap- Apple, W A P L in New York, sure. Quick thinking, good one. And I love, and then the scene where the lock didn't have the long conversation about her dad or whatever. Like, she comments like the future radio is FM, yeah, not not AM, such as they are, right. Well, I mean, which is interesting because, wink, wink, yeah, yeah. wink, right. wink. It's true. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, after this, Patricia Richardson will be on another short-lived series before Home Improvement yep. called FM. FM, which features <laughs> a lot of actors from the previously previously mentioned Eisenhower and Lutz. Yeah, uh, all except for Scott Bakula, obviously. He's he was busy. busy. Yeah, he was busy. Doing another show, and then and then yeah, it would be shortly after that show ended that she ended up doing Home Improvement, which she you know was like eight nine like seasons seven, long or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they, there are some really nice moments that they're having, and they're continuing their conversation. And you know, of course, Fred's like, "Well, their music's back on. I got to do something else to get it off." So he has the power cut, mm-hmm. uh, lights go off. There's this scene in Shuffle in the Darkness. Sam accidentally bumps into Rachel, and he's like, "I was looking for the doorknob." And she has this great line where she's like, "The doorknob is usually lower." <laughs> it's just sort of like, "What did Sam do?" <laughs> yeah, what? I mean, it's kind of like. In, in the silhouette, they kind of impl- yeah, like where right. he, yeah, where he grabbed what he grabbed. yeah, and, 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 and you know, it's just it's it's a funny moment and, and it's played well. And then they they have a generator, um, and he's like, I've got a you know, I'll get things back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this line about you know, separating the men, the from, men the from the boys. They can't get the generator started. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, but then, but yeah, then they work together to to do it. Yeah, to to get it started and. And now they've got power back, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but they but they've only got enough power to generate the radio and not the air conditioner. So now it's hot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and and Rachel started to kind of unbutton her dress a little bit. And this is what I was talking about with the sultry kind of like mm-hmm. you know it it's it, it, it just it's it's fuck it it's a hot moment. It is you know mm-hmm. I mean she's literally, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he calls again. Um. You know, talking about how he's not even gonna return giving his advertising, even if they do stop playing mm-hmm. the rock and roll, and how music. he's gonna get everybody else to join in. Meanwhile, he's telling uh, his name is Foley. It's on his name badge because mm-hmm. that was a weird name. He's telling the police chief to like bust the door down, arrest her, and everybody else involved is like, "Yeah, what they're doing is wrong, but this is not bust down the door and drag them out." Yeah, wrong. Slow your roll. Uh, and I, I do believe it's somewhere around this point where she says, after I hang up the phone with you, I'm calling every news organization in the country. And this is an example of accelerated time. Same song is playing. I'm going to call every news organization in the country. Next shot, Chicago Chicago, yeah. Chicago pulls in. Which, let's face it, in 1959 America probably would have taken like a good two and a half hours, if not more, to I mean, get from Chicago that, to Peoria. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, in real time, this this barricade probably would have played out over two days. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, we, we're seeing some accelerated time. Accelerated, did you say? Accelerated. Like, 
a quantum leap accelerator. Right there, yeah. Um, Very noteworthy. So yeah, indeed. And and I think it's somewhere around here when we get the line about how she tells him to take the nightstick and shove it, uh, which is another great line. Mm. It's, it's just delivered with you know pure honey. Off yes. the words, and yeah. yet just as vicious, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, another great example of Patricia Richardson mm -hmm. just cutting it up. Yeah, and I really, we, we talked about this, I think, off mic before we started recording, is that Fred's character is so... Yeah. He is so thin, and I and I realized, like, watching this episode, like, the reason why it was never obvious to me watching this as a kid is because that, that particular uh, actor, that character, he just physically looks like a guy... From my hometown, mm -hmm. uh, he was he was a very well respected member of our community. He was deacon in the church. He was a music teacher uh, throughout the middle school and the high school. He just very much looked like him. Okay. Like if Fred Beeman was a good guy, yeah, it would be this guy from my hometown. And I realized, like when I was a kid, like I kind of assigned, I kind of like put them in my same headspace. Like I imbued the nice guy from my hometown sure. in there. But watching this episode, now I'm like, no, like the actor does the best he can with it, but he's just a very thinly drawn character. And yeah, and, and you know, he's a, he's another one of those actors, if you will. Richard McKenzie uh, did just a, a lot of, of work, you know, for for. 30, 40 years, uh, a lot of it in television, um, you know, hit most of the big ones, uh, starting with My Three Sons, uh, mm -hmm. did the Waltons, Hawaii Five-O, the Jeffersons, he was in Roots. I um, could totally see him in an episode of the Waltons. Yeah. Uh, he was on Quincy, uh, he, all in the family, uh, played Alfred Bunker, he was Archie's brother. How about that? I could, priceless. To could totally see that. Uh, but yeah, just you know, a ton of stuff. Uh, did some, did uh, soap um, uh, in the heat of the night. MacGyver, you know, just, just a lot, of, a lot of television stuff. Uh, doesn't look like he's done anything um, in about fifteen years or so. But I mean, he was born in nineteen thirty, um, so he's obviously getting getting out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it, it is interesting. I, you know, I, the comment I made to you is that we almost learn more about Fred Beeman from the letters that Sam reads on the air yeah. than we do anything that Fred Beeman does or says, other than that he hates rock and roll. Mm -hmm. um, so at this point, you know, it's, 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 it's hot, sweltering. They've been in there for a while. They're trying to relax. They continue to bond some. Uh, Sam puts on some romantic music, mm -hmm. the glory of love. Dedicated right? to, to the woman that... He, you know, yeah, uh, uh, there's no one else he'd rather spend the night in a fallout shelter with. Uh, civil like defense that. shelter. Civil defense yeah. shelter, yeah. Civil defense shelter with. Um, and so they start dancing, mm. and they kiss. And again, the chemistry, I mean, legit, like, the chemistry between the two of them is, mm -hmm. is excellent. I mean, it's palpable. And, and there's nothing about the, the dance or the kiss that feels, like, cheesy or cliched. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it just feels right, mm -hmm. and it works. Um, and, and, and then, of course, after they kiss... Rachel gets pissed and basically blames Chick for setting this whole thing up mm -hmm. in order to get her alone. No, that's not yet. That, that doesn't happen just... Not quite no. yet. So she slaps him, she pulls away, and she's like, 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 no, you're taking advantage of me in a weak moment, and that's when Sam says, I, I think you were starting to like it. Right, okay. Yeah, and then whatever, yeah. and, then, and then Al, that's when he comes up with the line, comes in like, hey, it's, you only pull the pigtails... Of the one you love, yeah, uh, and we could go down a deep, dark rabbit hole of. And we talked about this a, a few episodes ago with what, what price Gloria, just yeah. like the, you know, in this day and age, like the 
the problematic trope of playing hard to get and being antagonistic means you actually right. like someone. Right, and, right, right. Anyway, I, you know, and again, I, I, again, I would, I would say, I think I even mentioned this like all the way back in one of our first episodes. Um, I think that there is certainly something to be said for. Um, not necessarily persistence, but uh, you, you gotta read the room. You know what I mean? Yeah, you Absolutely. just gotta read the room. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and, 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 and no always means no, but it, it, it doesn't always mean you can't try again if you're going about it the right way. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so yeah, I, I agree. It, it is... Absolutely. And like, uh, we're not quite there yet, but even still, like, this is one of those moments, like, I felt like they, they had built Rachel up to be a really strong character, like, she she built this station herself, and, mm-hmm. and she's sticking to her guns, and and then she gets in this moment where, you know, she's making out with her, making out with Sam, making out with Chuck, and then all of a sudden, like, she, like she gets cold feet, like, you're taking advantage of me, what are you doing? It's like, ah. Sure. Like, what, uh, why? I mean, I, I guess, I mean, in, the, in, like, the over arc of the episode, right. like, we need to have that, uh, but we're not quite to the moment that really annoyed me yet. Okay. But anyway, so so Al's like coaching Sam, like, you know, here's how you go back in. And Sam's like, I like, yeah, I know, yeah, how to do this. I don't need your help. And so uh, they they work their way back out to, to making out again. We cut to Al goes to see what's going on outside. Yeah. They've, they've cut the antenna. And then Al comes back in and says they've cut the antenna. I guess we're off the air. Yeah. And then, and, and that's when she, yeah, says that it was all a trick to be alone and, um, and that's that's the part of the episode that really bugs me yeah. is when she has this meltdown and she goes to this weird place where where, where yeah she she accuses yeah. Sam of creating this entire situation just to get alone with her yeah that's where I'm just like oh why why yeah I you know I, I can I can see where you're coming from I, I you know I guess it doesn't bother me quite as much and I can certainly sit there and and and, and say it's late she's tired she's exhausted sure. she's high strung it's you mm. know all sorts of shit is happening she's probably a little confused about what just happened with chick it's like you know it's just sort of like so so I'm willing to give her a pass but I definitely see where you're coming from with it mm. I oh, yeah I definitely see where you're coming from with that because I agree it does sort of it, it it does sort of betray some of what has been set up for her, yeah, as a character. Just yeah, just having like the, like this weird freak out and just accusing him of like this like really complicated conspiracy <laughs> just 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 to get her alone, right? And and make out it's like what? Like like he would say like even you you even you set must up, have a mighty high opinion of yeah, yourself. Yeah, like you, like you even <laughs> set up like Fred to call you and blah blah blah. Yeah. Anyway, um, but. Fred calls to gloat. Right. And, and and she has made the line, when it rains, it pours. And after the phone conversation, that triggers the thing. What are the guys made What of? are the good is like? Copper. Boom. And all of a sudden, we've turned into an episode of MacGyver. MacGyver. Yeah. Yeah. But Sam gets up there, and uh, he's able to restore the, the transmission mm-hmm. with, the, with the antenna and using the copper gutters. And then... Uh, but we do get this weird moment of, yeah. of Sam standing, uh, or wow. standing yeah. at the antenna. And for some reason, him standing too close to the antenna creates some sort of weird feedback, like a, a leap effect, yeah. complete with like both the light show and the same sound yeah. is, is leaping. It's like Sam, I'm leaping. And, yeah. <laughs> and afterwards, he, he's. It, 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 I, I'm. Uh, I've always found it funny, like when he finds out he's not leaping, he's like, ah, yeah, he's like, darn it, nuts. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I don't know if it ever struck me. Does like does Al really want to time travel? Does he really? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what's funny is not to give any spoilers away from like like later on in the series in case anyone happens to be watching along with. But uh, Dean Stockwell was never crazy about the idea of oh, having to be the leaping. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Because uh, yeah. basically, it would have been more a complicated shooting schedule. Wow. For for him, sure, sure. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, the, yeah. That, that that moment always struck me as odd. Is like, does do you really want? Does to, Al do, really do, want to? Do, do you really want to travel through time? Now? So I think that I think what I would say to that is quite possibly yes. And the reason why I say that is that here's a guy. He was an astronaut. Like this guy's clearly an explorer. This guy's clearly you know, and mm-hmm. he and he was part of Starbright Project. He start you know he he helped start Project Quantum Leap with Sam. So there, I do think that there's enough of an adventurous sense about him mm-hmm. that maybe yes. I don't think that psychologically, uh, which will be interesting to maybe even talk about more later. I don't know that he would really be suited for it or in the law for the long haul. You know what I mean? For sure. Like I, I think that I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's it'd be interesting to, to yeah. think about that. And I will say, yeah, if you've never read the novels, listen. Yeah. There, there are a couple of novels. One, uh, it happens by accident, and another one. Al intentionally leaps, um, yeah, uh, in order to to accomplish something. It's crazy so, stuff. Crazy I, stuff. I, I recently actually did. Uh, I had a few of them already, but I did recently uh, purchase the rest of the novels that I don't have. Um, uh, and I and I do believe it is my intention for sure. And I think Dennis is pretty much on board with this. That at some point we will actually delve into that. Aspect. Cover those. Yeah. yeah, it'll be yeah. It'll be a while, but it'll be a while. I'm trying to think of, of like the timing of the novels, and I think well, I think a, almost all of them, like like the timing of the novels, like the yeah. stories of the novels, almost all of them take place after most of the episodes of the series, with right. the exception of the one novel, which is Prelude. Like, Prelude, which is yeah. like the five years leading up to the first leap. And then there are a few episodes, and I always had a little bit of a problem, or novels, rather, I always had a little bit of a problem with this. Uh, there are a few novels that actually do take place within, like, in between episodes. Mm-hmm. And I just always thought that was kind of weird, because it was like... Yeah, but he leaps out and we see him leap in. But then you get into reruns and you get into how, you know, what price Gloria for it's like, there's all sorts of leap outs that he doesn't actually go into the next leap or what. So fine. It's fine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So now we cut to uh, Fred gloating outside and he's being interviewed by a, a reporter that I think we've seen before. And this is the thing, watching the episode this time. It's kind of muddy what Fred's intentions are. Like, early on in the episode, he purely thinks he is just doing this yeah. for the good of the community. Like, he really does think that, that rock and roll is bad news. But he is such a cocky ass right. in, in this scene where he's being interviewed. He's like, well, I just want what's best for America, and anything that's not great for America, got to do away with it. Dennis, he's just trying to make America great again. Nah. <laughs> um and like what he was saying, like you can lift that dialogue out and you can put it into any Republican conservative's mouth oh, right yeah. now. And yeah. 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 It's an election coming up. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. So, so there is a, um, yeah. They, they, but they, the, they, yeah. The music starts to play again because uh-huh. they're back. Actually, it's not the music. It's just uh, Sam's voice coming back over, like, like, like talking. 
Uh, oh, just saying that. Letting yeah, like okay. like something like, man, if they keep this up, I don't have to change my name to something or whatever. Then someone comes running up and says, hey, they're back on the air. I'm yeah. Like, Damn it to hell. Yeah. And he goes to turn on the radio. Yeah. And then and then this is uh, around the time when, uh, you know, Beeman loses it mm-hmm. and uh, is going to go to the door and with an axe and start to break mm-hmm. down the door. We transition from nighttime to daylight right. really quick. And this is where we see, like, like fights breaking out Yeah, uh, between... Uh, in the red right. are are the pro rock and roll kids, and in the and, blue, and in the blue are uh, what are the, 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 the straight lace, the, the, the straight lace. Yeah. What, what were they called in the Outsiders? Oh, the uh, socias, the socias, yeah, the socias, yeah, yeah, the socias or whatever, and. Like oh, like those are the goons that have been doing all this stuff. For, That's right. They're the for they're me. the Pat Boone listening, graffiti painting, just. Only hands over the clothes stuff doing goons. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah. So but we get the, we get the rumble, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, all hell starting to break loose. And it's it's around this time when um, Al tells Sam that Ziggy's found something, and it turns out. Yeah, because now Fred is like he's actually got the axe, axe like, going he's like after breaking him. down the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at one point they they try to like lift a couch up to further barricade the door and they they can't do it and you know then then Al says that they've got something and it turns out that a young Fred Beeman mm-hmm. about fourteen years prior to this when this episode takes place had written an article um, about. An editorial about what it meant, like why we we fought. Right, thinking about the soldiers that didn't come back, or the soldiers that came back and they weren't quite whole, and Mm -hmm. you know, and this sort of stuff. You know, why did we fight? Uh, And of course, uh, you know, comes up that they fought for freedom, the freedom Mm -hmm. to to, to do what they wanted to do, and Mm -hmm. including listen to the music they wanted to listen to. Yeah, Uh, and so um, you know, Sam says on the air, "Well, all we want is a little freedom too." And Beeman has this breakdown, and say like, it was different. It was, you know, that's not what I was talking about. And and it's clear, it's clear at this point he's lost, you know. Yeah. And that's when his wife comes over. And it's just sort of like, come on, Fred, let's let's oh, go, man. you know. Oh, were we to live in a time when you could actually take honorable words and use that, yeah, to win the day, yeah. And it's cool because this isn't the first time that it's happened in the episode because earlier in the episode, you know, he, he uses the First Amendment against him. He's like, it is. It is kind of really cool the way that these statements get made within the context of the episode mm-hmm. um, and you know, and how they're used. And, and it's obviously extremely satisfying that they end up using something that he wrote himself to kind of prove how much of a hypocrite he's being, A, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and B, you know, silence these, these critics and, and, and realize that it's just sort of like, at the, you know, at the end of the day, if you think this music is going to make me act a certain way and you don't want me to act that certain way, maybe you should look at the fact that maybe I want to act that way. Mm-hmm. I want to wear these clothes. You know, I want to go to Lookout Hill and Park with Johnny. I want, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, it's, it, it, it's, it's just this, 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 cutting off of all the freedom or whatever and, and thinking that, you know, Elvis Presley is promoting juvenile delinquency because of the way he combs his hair. It's like, come on. And, and the fact that they could take such an eloquent stand against, uh, all of that, you know, and again, using his own words against him, um, mm. it works. Yeah. How quickly, I mean, they just got to that editorial. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That's oh, true. here we go. Yeah, yeah. Fight it, fight it in the book right here. Because it was just like I was saying, like how else could they have done that scene? Like they could have had like Al with his hand link, like right in front of Sam's face, like reading it off the hand link. Yeah. But then Rachel would have been like, "What the? How the hell did you know what that? The fuck is- <laughs> From memory." You just moved to town. Shut up. Right. <laughs> oh man. But you're right. The 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 you know the eloquent words being used and it kind of reminded me in some ways of um, Boston Legal. At the end of almost every episode of Boston Legal, James Spader mm-hmm. would usually have some sort of you know socially conscious monologue that he would give, and it would always be very well done. You know, using facts <sighs> to support it. Yes. Very passionate. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones that he has actually at some point. I, I he, think I think you're about ready. Yeah, to, he, to say the same one that he, I'm thinking of. Because he he gets tired, and he's just like, I'm tired. I'm tired of having to do this. And oh, it's no, like no. it's almost like he's breaking the fourth wall because he's just sort of like. Mm-hmm. But there is, but yeah, there are a couple that have to do with like free speech uh, uh, in particular, and one that I'm thinking of right now is, um, yeah, it's just it, it, it's it, his assistant or secretary rather has basically told the IRS that she's not going to pay her taxes mm-hmm. because uh, she doesn't believe in in the way that her money's being used is effective. And, uh, and of course he's told her this whole time, he's like, okay, you have to pay your taxes, but mm-hmm. he still, you know, defends her in court, obviously. And, um, and, and gives this, yeah, rousing speech about, uh, about freedom of speech and about mm-hmm. her, you know, what really upset the IRS is the fact that she told them to stick it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and literally wrote that like on the envelope when she sent it back. And, um, and that, you know, freedoms are worth fighting for and, mm-hmm. you know, and all this sort of stuff. And she ends up being found guilty. They lose. But the judge has heard the speech. And so the judge basically just sentences her to time serve. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have to pay, like, any penalty. She just has to pay, you know, whatever. So sure. it's like, so so she thinks, that, you know, she's lost. And he just looks at her and he's like, no, you, you won. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's over. That's awesome. Um, no, I was thinking there was uh, one episode where... Uh, James Spader's character, I can't remember his character's name now. He has Alan Shore. Alan Shore yeah. uh, has to go to Texas to oh, to, argue, to, yeah. to, ar- to argue for the case of a of a mentally ill man that's going to be put to, yeah. put to death. And someone gives him the advice that when you're dealing with Texas judges, like anytime you get frustrated, just say, "May it please the court." Yeah. And so, in, in his very impassioned speech at the end of the episode, he just peppers the phrase, "May it, it please, please the court. court," through like like every third sentence, yeah. he just throws that in there. That's what I. Yeah. No, that's a great one. Death Be Not Proud, that's the episode. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah. That's, that's a fantastic episode. But anyway, were, were we at a time when when honorable words could win the day? Which is one of the reasons why I brought that show up, actually, is because it was such a, you know, not to use the phrase again, it was such a death rattle because I feel like, you know, here these these honorable, reasonable, passionate words are being used and they're out there on primetime television and it's mm-hmm. just like no one was fucking listening because mm-hmm. if they were, we wouldn't be where we are right now. <sighs> so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So Fred gets walked away and they come out of the barricade and this is the first time I've ever notice this I think this is like one of the, the downfalls of having things in such high quality on Blu-ray sure is you know obviously when they're inside the station they're on a set somewhere and when they're outside on the street they're in a completely different location on a back right. lot somewhere and so when Scott Bakula and Richard and Patricia Richardson come out of the station there is nothing behind those front doors except just a blank white wall yeah. like there is there's obviously nothing back behind there it's great oh god yeah yeah it's, it's great uh but anyway um so they come out everybody's dancing 
I do believe it's... Are we back to Tutti Frutti again? Uh, I do believe so. Oh, no, Shout. Shout, shout. that's right, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, shout, and, and, and we find out that uh, the station goes on to be number one, and right. a year later, Chuck and... Rachel and, get and married. Rachel get married, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's really. I mean, like this is a episode. Like it, it, it borders on I don't know, fantasy. Isn't the right word, but you know, you have these extended dance sequences of kids in the street, you know, dancing or whatever, and then so you have this, the episode ends on a fun note of of Chuck and Leland. That's yeah. his name. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, howling, howling. and then we're. And there's this cute moment between uh, Sam and Rachel where you know he echoes. Out, Mar- yeah. get married. He's like married, and 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 Rachel's like, well, you know, buy me breakfast first, and she's like, but after you finish your, your shift, shift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, yeah, it's just it's just a great moment. So it's, it's a wonderful little capstone to to the relationship that's been built up between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, I think that it doesn't always happen, unfortunately. And that's not to say that you know it needs to be this every time. But the chemistry between the two of them, the relationship that's developed. I mean, Patricia Richardson's performance in general. It's it's just so well done. And 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 I think when Quantum Leap is at its best, you get those types of thing, you know, those types of relationships, those types of, uh, uh, and so, yeah, it, it's great. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, um, and I, I realized like thinking about it, like this is an episode where like, like Sam is like really, uh, playful. Like it's an antagonistic thing, but he's like really playful with his, with his co-stars where sometimes like he is the very earnest savior yeah, always, always saying the right thing. Like he doesn't get a chance in a lot of episodes to, to just have fun. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because you do kind of get the genuine sense that, um, and it works for a lot of reasons because Chick is new. Um, you get the the genuine sense that you know Sam is attracted to this woman. That Sam is like mm-hmm. he's he's glad to be cooped up in this civil defense shelter with her. He is. It's not necessarily one of those problematic episodes that we like we talked in the past about how. Sam is taking advantage of this person because she thinks that he's someone else. It's more a case of like, you know, she doesn't really know Chick either, and so it, 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 this whole build of the relationship is it, it's 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, then he leaps out, and uh, now he is a rabbi. A rabbi. Oy vey. Oy vey. Yeah. Uh, which is indeed, let's face it, it's one of the cuter oh boys in, in the in the history of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that'll take us into next episode, which will be Thou Shalt Not. Thou Shalt Not. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to go back. Uh, I know that this is a Quantum Leap podcast, and, and I certainly don't want us to get too overly political. Obviously, Dennis and I have uh, feelings and, and points of view that maybe some of the listeners don't share, but I did want to take a moment to read something because I did find that the... Um, Summing the summation that I was talking about that Alan Shore gives uh, is 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 wonderful, uh, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, it's uh, he, he he he's he's gone on talking about free speech, and um, at one point um, he says that uh, uh, these really long speeches make me so tired sometimes, and. One of the, the, the opposing attorney says, um, evidently it's speech time, and he replies, and speech in this country is free, you hack, free for me, free for you, free for Melissa Hughes to stand up to her government and say, stick it. And I object to the government abusing its power to squash the constitutional freedoms of its citizenry, and God forbid anybody challenge it. They're smeared as being a heretic. Melissa Hughes is an American. Melissa Hughes is an American. Melissa Hughes is an American. 
Last night I went to bed with a book. Not as much fun as a 29-year-old, but the book contained a speech by Adlai Stevenson. The year was 1952. He said, The tragedy of our day is the climate of fear in which we live, and fear breeds repression. Too often, sinister threats to the Bill of Rights, to freedom of the mind, are concealed under the patriotic cloak of anti-communism. Today, it's the cloak of anti-terrorism. Stevenson also remarked it's far easier to fight for principles than to live up to them. I know we are all afraid, but the Bill of Rights, we have to live up to that. We simply must. Um... And that was written, like, 12 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, And I think that words like that should be spoken and heard. Mm -hmm. And uh, I couldn't agree more with its, you know, and I'm as guilty of this as as, as anyone else, but it is easier to fight for these things than to live up to them sometimes. Absolutely. Um, But we really should be living up to them. Even if that means sometimes you do something that you're not entirely comfortable with. Even if that means you have to maybe vote for someone that, you know, you might not be comfortable with, but you know isn't the other person, especially when that other person is just a terrible human being. Absolutely. So. Send us your hate mail. (laughs) (laughs) To at Fitchline Will, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. At at Strummer underscore Fane is my Twitter. I don't mind. I'm always up for a conversation. Mm -hmm. Because that's something else we've seemingly forgotten how to do is have a conversation about it. Absolutely. It's just, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, and that makes me better than you. And I don't think that personally, but I feel like that's the the tenor of a lot of the... Actually, I think I'm right, you're wrong, that makes me better than you is 50% of the podcast... (laughs) Landscape out there? I don't know. I don't know. It could that be. Could be. It could yeah. be. But let's face it, 50% of the time, at least, we're wrong. So feel free to yeah, disagree with us. Yes. Uh, not only about our, our other viewpoints, but certainly about what we've had to say about Quantum Leap. So if you've got something to say, let us know. And uh, if you want to come be on the show, let us know. But again, Happy New Year. Uh, I think we can both sum up our thoughts on Good Morning Peoria with... It's a damn good episode. It was a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, like I said, we're kind of in the sweet spot now here of Quantum Leap. And yeah. I think we get a stretch of, like I said, six or seven just really good episodes. Um, and, and this is, you know, maybe these are the, the salad days of Quantum Leap. Leap. If you yeah, will. there we go. The classic, the, the golden age. Excellent. Uh, so thank you so much once again. Uh, we look forward to discussing Thou Shalt Not next time. But I think we're going to leap out of here. Dennis? Yeah, there we are. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. Can we?